Greetings, I'm Karen Colligan. Welcome to the Let's Talk Leadership Podcast. I'm the founder of a leadership organization called PeopleThink, where I created the Keep It Real Leadership Program that equips and elevates emerging and advancing leaders. It's all online and can be done anywhere and it can be done at any time. What I know for sure is all leaders lead differently. That's the beauty of leadership. And it is so important to understand what your unique leadership style is. Now that word is worth repeating. Unique. Because everyone has their own leadership style, which will inform how you're going to help your team and your organization move forward. You got to be real and you got to be bold and you got to drive to take action. Let's face it. People look to their leaders for vision. They look to their leaders for coaching and growth opportunities. This is why, as a leader, you want to be crystal clear about your unique leadership style and competencies. The whole purpose of the Let's Talk Leadership podcast is to speak to a variety of leaders who are in different industries with different titles at different levels to better understand their unique way of leading. We're going to ask each leader the same six questions so we can provide you with a diverse way of looking at leadership. We want you to find those treasures that will help you be the best leader only you can be. Let's get moving and talk to our next leadership guest. In this episode, I am thrilled to be speaking to Amy Acton, who is the CEO of the Phoenix Society. We're going to hear about Amy's approach to leadership. So Amy, welcome and thank you for being with us today. Well, thanks, Karen. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what the Phoenix Society is all about before we get into our leadership conversation. Well, I'll start with an easy one. The Phoenix Society uh, for Burn Survivors is a national organization that supports uh, the recovery and getting back to life for people and families that have been impacted by a burn injury. So I have been doing uh, work in burn care uh, for about mm, over 35 years now. Um, started out as a nurse uh, in a burn center and a nurse manager and evolved into uh, helping to lead the Phoenix Society uh, to support more people on a national level. Nice. And, and how long have you been with the Phoenix Society, Amy? I've been uh, in this role for 21 years, which is a long time in, in one role for me. Yeah. And, and, and I think we'll get into this a little bit as we talk in our conversation, Amy. I mean, that role has evolved and, and shifted and evolved some more and become much more than it was when, when you started the Phoenix, when you started at the Phoenix Society. So I'll be intrigued to listen to, to kind of your evolution because there certainly has been a big one and the role is significantly a little bit larger mm -hmm. is what I'll say, yeah. Amy. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Love that. Thanks, Amy. Okay. First things first. There are so many ways to define leadership because it's so personal to each individual. And I really like to ask that first question of definition. And I am finding, Amy, it's been fascinating at how different people define leadership. And so I'm going to start off the same way I start them all off. 
tell us, how do you define leadership, Amy? When I think of leadership, I start back on uh, the leaders that have inspired me. And I think of a basketball coach I had uh, in high school. When I think of her and I think of leadership, I think of coaching. Uh, I think you mentioned it uh, on the lead-in. You know, that sense of uh, coaching and influencing, empowering, and working with a group of people to achieve kind of an aspirational state or goal moving that ball forward. She helped me see kind of the potential in myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we, good leaders uh, identify those gifts that people have and help people see them in them, themselves. She's definitely did that for us as a team and really how to work with a group of people to achieve a common vision. In a nutshell, uh, the overview of what I would call leadership. And what's so interesting about it, about how you described it, it's obviously from a coaching perspective, and it was about influencing and, and not just demanding, and it was about empowering. So letting the team understand what are what are my gifts and what can I bring collaboratively to the bigger team? And that's right. really, really important because as we all know, as a leader, part of our role is to make sure that we are moving the organization forward and we have to do that with our team. And we have to do that then each individual has to be and feel a part of that team. I think the other influence for me is uh, I'm a sailor. And so Uh, When I think of the captain, he or she sets the course where they're headed, where they're going. And and I think each crew member has a role, a very specific role on a sailboat and getting us there in the fastest way possible. So I I definitely draw on kind of the lived experience, I guess, in my leadership style and Mm -hmm. lessons learned. And I think it does evolve, obviously. Yeah, and that evolution is so important. And when you think about a a captain of the ship, if you will, if there isn't one, then what's going to happen? The the ship will maybe go around in circles. The ship may never leave the dock. It's really important to have someone who has that vision of where we're going. And then, as you say, the crew members then have to each understand what the role is so that they can help everybody to that shared vision. Okay, so I'm really curious about value. So value plays such an integral role to a leader because it helps the leader understand kind of their decision-making function, if you will. It's their guiding light. It's their North Star. It's that thing that, that makes them bold and set their boundaries. And so values are a really critical piece for a leader to be able to articulate. And sometimes I find that people don't spend a lot of time on it because they just think, oh, you know, it's intuitive. So tell us, from a a leader perspective, Amy, what are your three values that you really are bold about and you set your boundaries around and your decision making around? Yeah, it's interesting that you're asking me this question because you really helped me uh, zero in on this when I sat through the Get Real Leadership course, Uh, Mm -hmm. really made me kind of think about it in this context of a leader. Obviously, I had my own personal values as a human being, but and there are, some are similar. I think there is a specific uh, leadership values that I'll talk about. And, you know, the first is that kind of continual learner is a value uh, for me just as a human, but also as a leader, I don't, I think it would be very hard to be a good leader without that core of learning. And so that, that drives me a lot. Almost to the point, sometimes I get frozen in learning, as, as you know, to work with me closely on our board. And so when I am 
struggling, I lean on that one a lot. The other one that gets me out of that is uh, risk-taking, kind of the entrepreneurial value of trying new things and uh, pushing the envelope to a new place. That kind of is a good balance for me, those two values together. And then the third, I think you may have picked up on, is spirit and a humility, kind of those two together. So I, I kind of threw a fourth one in there yeah. with humility, but it's hard to come up with just three. And I think the exercise that I did in the Get Real Leadership really helped me zero in on that, especially in today, now as a leader, what those values are versus 20 years ago when I started. Yeah. yeah. I think it has shifted a little, not a lot. When I think back and we went through a process in that, that really helped us see those big things that we've done and what helped us get there. Yeah, and I think uh, values will obviously also evolve as we continue to grow into our role. And yet, you know, we are who we are. And so when we get really clear about them, we can bring them along with us. So, Amy, you talked about continual learning as one of your values and then how that leads to risk taking. So what are some of the things you do for continual learning? What what might be some um, examples of that? I read a lot. I seek out, especially if I'm challenged with something or I, I have a weakness that I'm trying to build, I will go seek out the experts in that area and, and read. I, so I do a lot of reading. Mm-hmm. I also really have valued mentors uh, and sought out specific people to bring into the organization that I work in uh, on a board or as a staff member that can help me grow in that way. So I think that probably has been some of the most exciting opportunities I've had mm-hmm. is to work with some real um, best in class, if you will, people mm-hmm. on topics that I needed growth in. Those are the probably two primary ways that I do that. And, yeah. and I think putting myself into a learning mode by that risk taking, understanding that I don't need to know everything, <laughs> that I can go forward without all the answers and lean on other people to help get us there. And so I think that that goes back to that kind of humility piece, I think that is important. Yeah. And the risk taking, I mean, it goes back to being a sailor. I mean, when you, you know, start out, maybe the water is calm and so on and so forth. And then you have to collaborate with your team and that type of thing. And it's a risk taking. It's definitely a risk taking. Yeah. It probably also had something to do with growing up on a farm with three older brothers and uh, (laughs) a younger sister. You had to take certain risks to uh, live in that environment and and then just other lived experiences uh, with my burn injury, for example, and how uh, I had to take risks to heal and move forward in that particular time in my life. So learning that when you take those risks, things can get better kind of perpetuates that. And then it gives us courage to continue to take the risk because risks can be um, scary at times. Yeah. And it it propels us forward. So, Currently in in this crazy world we're living in, we're going through an enormous amount of transition and change. I mean, we talked about it just before we started the podcast and between the global pandemic and the social awakening and then the economic implications from those things, the world is in transition and in change and you're leading an organization, Amy. And so how do you, as the leader of the organization, help your team members through that change and that transition? I draw on a probably some of my critical care nursing <laughs> when I, I bet. when I in that kind of environment. But I, I think the transparency 
is important in that time uh, for me to be transparent with compassionate truth telling. And, uh, you know, that also is kind of a learned behavior in the work that we do with burn survivors is, you know, it's not easy and being honest and true about that. But then keeping your eye on the focus of the opportunity and growth that comes out of that suffering or Mm -hmm. challenge or change Mm -hmm. is something that keeps me grounded, knowing that in most cases I've been through, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It gets better. And with focus and hard work, that transition will happen. Um, You've been part of our organization as a board member, and you know we've gone through a big transformation at the Phoenix Society. And it's been a long a big endeavor and exhausting at times. But I think, again, that focus on and keeping the vision in front is is a key thing, even during change. And, and I'll say, especially during change, we need to understand where, where we're headed. Again, I'll go back to your sailor analogy. We have to know where we're headed. And, and Amy, you said something really um, special there about compassionate truth-telling. And that has to be done through transparency. And being a compassionate truth teller can be very, very hard because the message is not always what the receiver wants to hear. Help us understand how you do that because it's big. Yeah, again, it's it's something that I continue to learn and grow in. Mm -hmm. It's easier sometimes when it's about the organization than it is Mm -hmm. about the person. You know, the truth about the organization is a little less uh, vulnerable. But I, I think for me, it is part of that vulnerability that I, I've learned to be, that if I can do that, then I feel that I would want that for others. I, I've had great mentors, board presidents and others who have been supportive and I've been transparent and vulnerable with them and they have uh, supported me in that. They heard my weakness, they helped mentor me, and they helped me grow. Yeah. And so I think if you get that kind of leadership around you and you learn that, then it becomes more easy to tell the truth mm. in a compassionate way, mm. even when it's hard. You know, it's, it's always a, more of a challenge with the individual because I think we're so focused on not hurting somebody or being compassionate is hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Amy, being vulnerable is so hard. I mean, I know you and the team has worked really hard with the Brene Brown uh, vulnerability Mm -hmm. work. That goes back to compassion. That goes back to transparency. And that goes back to being willing to hear some things from your mentors, from some of the leaders, to hear things that we may not want to hear. And if we're going to provide that compassionate truth-telling, we have to be able to hear that compassionate truth-telling. And that's the only way leaders are going to continue to grow, which goes back to your value of continuous learning. I mean, that's what, what has to get done. Yeah, I think the other piece is the not needing to be perfect. has been it's a exhausting. real blessing for me. I'm at, my mom was uh, not a perfect, perfect, and she was okay with messiness, literally and and just figuratively. So I think, again, that's a learned behavior to be able to be vulnerable and not to have to have everything perfectly in place before you have somebody come over to the house or whatever it is. So I think uh, in leadership too, I've never, in any position I've had, I've never expected myself 
to be perfect at mm-hmm. it. And that probably goes back also to that coach that I mentioned. And the other thing, I mean, perfection, no one's just an endless loop of mm-hmm. insanity, if, if you ask me. So perfection doesn't serve anyone. You know, you said something earlier about the fact that you don't have to know everything either, Amy, and that's really important. So you hire people who know the things they need to know from an expertise perspective so that you can lead the organization versus trying to have your hands in every single thing. And it's really important as a leader. And that goes back to vulnerability again, Amy. I mean, it really does. It goes back to, wow, I I don't know all of this, and yet I trust enough. That's a pretty big deal. I think the perspective, too, of change, about change, just understanding and you know, embracing it, that it's, and that probably is good for me because I'm a more of a risk taker. So I thrive on change more. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I change uh, sometimes to a fault. In these times, in these particular times, though, the great sense of responsibility mm. to not just see what's happening out there, but to respond to it in a way that is true to yourself and your values. So uh, the conversations we're having around race right now, the conversations you know we're having about our communities and disparities in our work, that's something we need to be talking about mo- a lot more. Mm-hmm. And so as a leader, how do we do that? And how do we, so that's a whole learning, right? So if you embrace it and try to learn, then I think we'll, we'll all be better. Yes, and do that in an openness that allows our hearts to hear what we may not want to hear, yeah, then right. translate into, okay, then now mentally I can think it, but I have to feel it first. Yeah. So you've said a little bit already um, about what you like to do. I mean, your, one of your values is continuous learning. And the next question is, you know, what are some of the things and tools that you use to continually grow and develop? And I think you've shared an, a number of those with us. Mm-hmm. Anything that we kind of have missed? I mean, we talked talked about the Brene Brown work. We talked about your mentors. We talked about, you know, your basketball coach and, and how that continuous learning loop just keeps you moving and brain expanding and, ooh, um, enjoying change. So is there anything we missed around that about tools that, that you use to gr- continue your growing? You know, I think the, the tools that I'm learning more about and, and being more conscious of is not just the intellectual tools. Mm-hmm but the physical health tools, taking care of my body more and which then makes you stronger mentally. So I think that more of a holistic approach to the learning is where I'm at right now Mm -hmm. in in my uh, journey Mm -hmm. is that it's got to be balanced and someone helped teach me that. I won't mention names, but uh, (laughs) there's a a lot of opportunity for learning that isn't maybe directly related about leadership, but then makes you a better leader. Oh, it makes perfectly good sense. It's that whole thing around mind, body, and spirit. And if the Mm -hmm. three of them are not connected, then, you know, if you only have one thing going for you and you're only learning things to expand your mind, well, then you're doing yourself a disservice in terms of body and spirit. I think the three of those go hand in hand. And when we're going to be a leader, we really have to look at that as, as you indicate, a holistic approach or else we're too one-sided. And and then all of a sudden we may be a good leader and we may not be a great leader. Or we go into burnout, which again, I, you know, there's over 20 some years, there's been moments in my career where, you know, the life piles up, right? And uh, work piles up and you become in a place that it's not balanced and you're out of balance. And definitely I've, I've toyed with that a couple of times in my career. When you come out of that, it's really like 
kind of shocking when mm-hmm. you when you think about when you look backwards and say, "Whoa, that wasn't a good place." Uh, and my team probably for me it is being self-aware or having good friends and mentors around you to kind of help you see that you're not seeing it for yourself. One one analogy I, I always use, and it's I can say always, is stuff runs downhill. Your team can feel what's running downhill, whatever it may be. So yeah. no question your team is aware. And the burnout thing is a really important element. I think that what is happening now uh, with so many people working from home and distance learning with their children and that type of thing is burnout mm-hmm. is big. And we have to really find our way to have boundaries and then go back to that mind, body, spirit thing. And how do I make sure that I am helping all three components of that? Because otherwise, if I'm boundaryless, it's just going to absolutely equal burnout. Yeah, and I think in this COVID time, that's definitely something that we uh, as a team have had more conversation around. You know, we, we just implemented EOS. So that segue piece of every meeting of, you know, where are you at? Just personally, as well as at work and checking in with people. It's, it, you know, it, it's regimented, but it makes you stop and yeah. ask and really engage and connect. You know, that's been a good good process for us to have that across the board and every meeting we're coming into checking in. That's been good for me because I tend to be, I'm definitely not a micromanager and I sometimes I forget that part connecting and and making sure I'm giving time to that. And and again, it goes back to, uh, uh, you know, what the Phoenix society has been doing over the years and that evolution. And there's a lot to be done and it's big. And so let's go, let's go, let's go. And then at times we have to step back for a moment. And I, and I, I agree with you, this time is a beautiful time to begin saying, well, how are you doing? Because everybody's got different ways of responding to what, what's occurring. So, and the other part about that, Amy, is not just to ask and and go, oh, yeah, okay, let's move on. It's about asking and then listening. And yes. the listening part yeah. with that compassion is, right. is going to be important because if you don't mean it, they're also going to know. So, so then that's about your learning. And then, and then let's, let's think about the folks within the organization and how do you give them development and growth opportunities and can help them continue their learning? What do, what do you do for them? You know, we're a small nonprofit. So, you know, I think the the old adage of, you know, there's no money for learning. Um, we've kind of come out of that kind of thinking and really uh, have spent over the last five or six years quite a bit of resources helping people learn about innovation, helping people to learn about, you know, business planning. I mentioned the EOS process for us putting in a business operating system into the organization is a big step. I think making sure that we're providing those uh, learning opportunities within our work and what's happening in, in our environment right now. We've always been supportive of the team participating in professional conferences, you know, the ABA and other medical conferences that are aligned to us. We've done some unique things like the book club with Brene Brown and other ways that we can bring relevant uh, content into the organization. I think we can continue to get better here, quite frankly, uh, in our organization on how we can specifically work with each individual. And I think the new EOS system is going to help us with that because we'll have learning objectives with each employee as we move forward, understanding where they want to go. 
where their passion is and how we can provide them opportunity. Uh, we've done that kind of less organized, mm -hmm. I would say, by identifying gifts that people have on our team and engaging them on projects that can really propel them and excel their learning opportunities. We've done it less planned probably than some of the bigger organizations that you might talk to, but I think that's the other piece is, okay, if, if it is a stated value, then there has to be a plan around it and how can we make sure that that's continuing uh, to move forward and we can demonstrate that we're living them. Yeah, Amy. And then you said something that's really important in terms of each individual has different development and growth opportunities, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, different gifts. What has to happen is there has to be a conversation about each individual because everybody's different. Maybe some people are completely satisfied reading Brene Brown's work, utilizing Brene Brown's work, and then staying in the role that they currently are. Maybe somebody else is loving Brene Brown's work and their role and want to continue to grow and learn and do something to expand their development. So learning is so so individual and we really have to listen to what people right. need or want or else they'll just you know say well if they don't care about me then what's next for me and yeah the other thing karen i think is kind of leading by example there and uh, talking about the, the learning that you're undergoing um you know as we rolled out eos for example we were really clear to the whole team that you know we're in a deep learning first uh, as a, a leadership team this is all new to us. We kind of joked around how we would check each other and, and in front of the rest of the team to help them say, it's okay, we're all learning on yeah. this and we're still learning and yeah. being really transparent again about um, your own learning and what you're doing to better yourself is key too. And this whole thing about, I don't have to be perfect. I don't know this. I am learning and therefore I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to fall down and that's going to yeah. be okay as well. And that means you will fall down and that's going to be okay as well. Okay. So my last question, Amy, is, is and you talked a little bit about the balance. And, and so what I often think about in any work environment is the joy. I, I want to understand where people get their joy from so that when they go to work, they feel balanced. And, and I know that that's almost a laughable thing at certain points in, in an organization's growth pattern. Um, however, w what piece of art or culture, you know, what do you do to fill yourself up so that you can bring joy into the work environment? So what are some of the fun things you do miss Amy yeah well I have a unique uh, love of just looking for rocks on the shore of uh, Lake Michigan I love to uh, walk along the water and watch how it changes every year yeah. uh, every time I go there it's different and look for specific rocks right so it just brings me peace brings me to my center again uh, and slows me down, uh, which is a nice balance to my kind of risk-taking change uh, <laughs> loving self because I do tend to go and go hard, but then I stop. Yeah. I stop hard. So I think that's just something that I've learned about. I'm a sprinter, I guess they call that. I tend to sprint and then I slow down for a while and then I sprint again. So um, learning that about myself and making sure I can find those times has been really kind of important to me. I have a son who loves music and he's gotten me into all sorts of fun music that I I also uh, will 
resonate with and tend to draw to. The last is um, when I really feel like I need a reboot, I will read things like Mark Nepo or uh, others that have more of a kind of a spiritual bend to them to just kind of remind me of my my place in this world. I love the whole idea of like Michigan and slowing down. I mean, I know you and I know your pace and to be able to walk along like Michigan and look for rocks and look at the 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 difference in in the topography if you will. I mean, doesn't that make us realize where we fit in this universe? <laughs> Cuz it's a yeah. little bit bigger than we are. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Well, anything else? Any other words of wisdom? You've been so wise, Miss Amy. I just love it. So, so anything else before we uh, we sound off here today? No, I can't think of a darn thing um, other than to say thank you. And uh, again, your uh, your mentorship and leadership has meant the world to me, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about leadership because I I consider you a a great mentor. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate that so much. So thank you, Amy, uh, so much. I really appreciate your vulnerability. I appreciate um, you you just taking some time and really thinking through these six questions and, and really being pretty open about them. And, and that's always going to be great for whoever listens. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Karen Colligan, and you've been listening to Amy Acton, the CEO of the Phoenix Society. Till the next episode of the Let's Talk Leadership podcast, have a good one. And don't forget to keep it real. Music by Poddington Bear and editing by Mary Lee Williams. Have a good one, everybody. Bye now.